Lucky Land slots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. Dearly beloved, we are gathered here today to... Has anyone seen the bride and groom? Sorry, sorry, we're here. We were getting lucky in the limo and we lost track of time. No, Lucky Land Casino, with cash prizes that add up quicker than a guest registry. In that case, I pronounce you lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Daily bonuses are waiting. No purchase necessary. Void were prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Blog Talk Radio. Hello and welcome to Aesthetic Insider Radio. This is your host, Angela O'Mara. Today we have Dr. J. David Holcomb, a facial plastic surgeon based in Sarasota, Florida, on the show with us. As our population ages, facial plastic surgery has become increasingly popular, and a facelift performed by a qualified surgeon can make a patient look anywhere from 5 to 20 years younger. Determining whether you are a candidate for surgery or not is discussed in this interview with Dr. Holcomb, and one of the things that Dr. Holcomb is widely known for and uses often within his practice is a procedure called the laser-assisted facelift. So we are going to go into depth today on laser-assisted facelifting techniques along with traditional facelifting techniques. Dr. Holcomb, welcome to Aesthetic Insider Radio. Uh, thank you, Angela. Thanks for inviting me. Absolutely. You know, um, you know, Dr. Holcomb, before we get into, you know, I know we've got lots of information to cover today, you know, and specifically with this laser-assisted facelifting technique and traditional facelifts. Um, but if you wouldn't mind, you know, telling our listeners just a little bit about yourself and your background and just where it is in Florida that you practice. Okay. Well, uh, so I go by initial J. David Holcomb, MD. I, I trained uh, medical school, University of Texas Medical Branch in Galveston, Texas. From there, I went to the Midwest and spent seven years in Iowa City, Iowa, where I did an internship in general surgery and then six years in the head, uh, head and neck surgery department, uh, part of which was a National Institute of, National Institutes of Health Research Training Fellowship, uh, along with the four years of head and neck surgery. And then following that, I went to Birmingham, Alabama, and did a uh, a year-long fellowship in advanced facial plastic and cosmetic uh, facial surgery. Um, so uh, after that, I moved to Florida. I've been practicing in Sarasota since 2000, and we've recently expanded also into South Tampa. You know, that's, that's such a, a great academic background. Um, I do also want to know that you um, were on that very popular TV show, The Doctors, and so you do have a very... It no high reputation nationwide and especially in the media as well. Thank you. That was a fun experience, and um, uh, and in fact, that was uh, where we sort of launched uh, discussions about laser-assisted facial contouring. Yeah, and what a great place to launch it. Well, why don't we talk a little bit now about the laser-assisted facelift? You know, can you explain perhaps what the difference is between that and a traditional facelift? So. Traditional facelift surgery, um, depending on the patient's physical findings, so typical facelift candidate is going to have some skin laxity in the lower face and in the neck. Uh, there may be some uh, jowling, which uh, could be uh, relatively mild or significantly heavier, depending on the patient. And then some fullness uh, under the chin is common. Uh, sometimes the, the neck can be quite heavy with uh, quite a bit of fullness there and even some you know, fatty tissue in the, in the sides of the neck. So um, what I found uh, over the years is that uh, dealing with all this excess unwanted fat 
was quite a bit easier using the laser. So it's a special fiber laser that we use to engage the fat. The fat sort of targets three things, water, collagen, and fat. Um, the water is sort of a buffer, which makes the procedure uh, safe to use, you know, within the tissue, uh, the laser safe to use within the tissue. So we, we add some what's called tumescent solution, which is some dilute local anesthetic, which has some sterile saline there with it. And that's the water, if you will. That's what helps to make the procedure safe, but also to numb the tissues so we can, you know, perform the procedure comfortably with patients under really a light IV sedation. So the laser uh, heats up the fat, melts the fat, breaks the fat, you know, uh, cells uh, apart and makes it then very easy to remove the fat with a, a much, much smaller liposuction cannula than what I used to use. So old-fashioned, traditional liposuction, cold liposuction uses, we would use sort of a, a, a fairly large uh, blunt tip steel cannula attached to a, a hose and a suction machine. And, you know, it was... Uh, uh, procedure that involved basically uh, brutal force, having to push that you know cannula through the tissue but without the aid of the laser to first kind of you know pave the way, so to speak. Uh, so now the cannula that I use is so much smaller; it's really no bigger than the uh, diameter of a typical uh, ink cartridge in a, in a ballpoint pen. And that's instead of attached to a, a hose and a machine, is only attached to a 10 cc syringe. Uh, so it's really hand syringe uh, laser-assisted liposuction that we're doing. So we do that on the, both the lower face, uh, both above and below the jawline, and then down in the neck, under the chin, and, and onto the sides of the neck where necessary if patients have a bit more t fatty tissue that needs to be contoured and removed. Well, it really sounds like the procedure is obviously a lot more refined and a lot more elegant than um, than in the past. <laughs> Um, which I would imagine, you know, is probably less, less bruising, less swelling to the patient. Typically less bruising and uh, certainly less swelling initially. There will be some swelling for any patient, though, that has, you know, face and neck surgery. So that's kind of an expected phenomenon. But um, the laser, the heat from the fiber laser will tend to seal a lot of the tiny, small, little blood vessels, so we don't tend to get as much bleeding uh, and and often very little bruising. Yeah, well, I mean, it's just um, such a wonderful procedure. And I know that you kind of mentioned this, but I would like to talk to that a little bit more, um, you know, because you do, with a traditional facelift, of course, the patient is lying down, and in some cases perhaps that jowling or tissue under the jawline might not look so obvious when the whole face needs needs to be lifted, but then once they sit up and they heal, you know, the, if if you don't address that area along the jawline ahead of time, you know, then it could turn into a second procedure for the patient or an unhappy patient. Whereas I understand, first off, you have the patient in a sitting up position to perform the the is that correct? And 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 then you well, have the lay down for surgery. Yeah. Partially. I mean, you're on the right track. So um, when I, I, I had a paper published that was a review of 200 laser-assisted facelifts uh, a few years back, and one of the things we looked at, exactly what you mentioned uh, in that paper, and we have a figure that shows it, uh, we had a patient, a subject, where we marked out clearly the jowls with a marking pen, sort of circular fashion, outlined where it is. And we took a picture with the patient sitting upright, and you could clearly see the jowls sort of, you know, falling down uh, below the, the, the jawline there. 
Then we had the patient lay flat on the table and took a picture from the side. So we took that, and so what happens when she would lay down is that the jowl would disappear. Uh, so it sort of goes up above the jawline and back in the cheek a bit. And so we took that picture, turned it upright, superimposed the two images, and clearly show that there's significant movement of the jaw in some patients to the to the point to your point uh such that uh you can't actually even see the jaw sometimes when the patient's lying flat well the the issue is that the supine lying flat position is the position for face of surgery that's the position patients are put in so surgeons can comfortably perform the operation, you know, ergonomically uh, with a certain, you know, working distance between, you know, their eyes and, and, and the patient. Um, so what, rather than putting the patient immediately in that flat supine position and having the jowls potentially sort of out of sight, out of mind, we first mark the jowls before surgery. When we go to the operating room, we put them in sort of a semi-recumbent position where they're maybe reclined uh, 30% uh, above the flat, you know, the uh, the flat plane. So you can still see the jowls in that position. You can comfortably um, address them in that position. Um, and so we do the laser-assisted facial contouring first with the patient with that sort of head-up position. Uh, once we've removed the jowls, the jowls are in a small syringe on the back table, then we put the patient flat and do the laser lipo uh, in the area under the chin and in the neck if needed. And then we go ahead and do the traditional surgical part. So a laser-assisted facelift is still the typical surgery that I would do for a patient that doesn't have, you know, significant jowls or maybe doesn't have any significant fatty tissue accumulated under the chin or down in the neck. So the surgical part's the same. The difference is at the outset we use the uh, fiber laser to engage and melt any fat uh, break up any fat that may be present in the lower face and neck, and that really facilitates um, uh, getting a really nice outcome because you can see, you know, a nicely sculpted neck and lower face straight away after doing that procedure before you even ever do anything with the scalpel and the surgery. Um, so, and I also I also did find that in some cases that we did not have to go ahead and then make an incision under the chin and do any work with the platysma muscle. So sometimes the laser work under the chin is so effective that there's really no need to uh, go ahead and do an open procedure in that area. So that makes the procedure in those case, in some cases, maybe a third of the cases, a little less invasive and, you know, speeds the healing possibly a bit. You know, you mentioned that you, um, excuse me, pardon me, use a fiber laser with a special wavelength. And now, does that, and then versus a traditional liposuction, which would have been a, you know, just a um, cannula that would be taken out fat that had not been, um, you know, touched in any way with a laser. So, you know, how is that? Is that process? Does the, it targets collagen? I'm assuming, or collagen, fat, and water? And how does <coughs> How does the device actually break through the collagen to help you get the fat out of the jowl, the jowl area in a in a well, much you know more refined way? Well, so I mean, the fat is sort of held in place with connective tissue fibers, collagen fibers, and so part of the trick to you know removing that fat is that you, the 
the laser, the fiber laser, that laser energy will sort of help break some of those collagen bands and sort of release the fat and make it more accessible and easier to remove. And so instead of having to use brute force in a, a blunt, you know, uh, larger cannula, using this small fiber, which is really 600 microns in diameter or the width of about six human hairs, I usually like to use the analysis of a vermicelli noodle, that laser <laughs> fiber will uh, break apart um, the uh, break break those collagen bands, fibers, and and melt the fat. So then, when we do the liposuction part, um, you know the the tissue plane has already been sort of created. It's much you know the laser the the cannula goes back and forth through the tissue very easily. There's no very little resistance compared to if we tried to do liposuction without first using the laser. Okay, okay, yeah, I mean, it's just uh, quite miraculous that you're, you're able to have, you know, such advances in, in recent years with with these techniques. Um, now, was there ever in the past where you would surgically remove the gels? I mean, was that ever an option to patients or, you know? Yes, yeah, so, so historically, um, the trends have sort of changed a little bit over time. So... Historically, uh, some some surgeons would actually, you know, open up the lower face and neck in one very big long flap, which would effectively, you know, expose the jowl. That you, so you could actually see the jowl, you know, underneath the skin, you know, and look sort of looking sort of directly at it, you know. Uh, if you had proper lighting and proper instrumentation, you know, retractors and all of that. And so some surgeons would do that big, long, big procedure and even take a scissor and sort of physically sort of trim the jowl uh, under direct vision. So the, the, the nice, elegant thing about the fiber laser technique is that you don't have to, you know, do all that extra surgery. You don't have to undermine the skin nearly as far. You don't have to directly expose the jowl necessarily. Um, and do any, you know, contouring with scissors, you've taken care of that with a sort of a closed technique percutaneously with a needle stick through which the laser fiber goes uh, and the little small cannula goes. So so it makes the surgery, you know, effectively less invasive to do it this way versus, um, you know, the, the old-fashioned traditional way. And it, it makes it safer, I think, too, because you don't have, you know, this big, huge, long, uh, facelift flap uh, that uh, really many doctors have shied away from because there tended to be more complications and more healing and because, you know, extended bruising, more swelling and whatnot. Um, so I think that's an advantage. Yeah, it just sounds like there's so many more benefits to the patient, you know. And so, you know, can we just go over benefits one more time because I do think that's really important to our listeners to understand, you know, we have the benefit of safety and and effectiveness so and less bruising um so a little you know, less invasive on on that part um maybe uh slight benefits in terms of a recovery with less bruising um uh but less invasive on, on that part for sure um uh less bruising slightly faster healing uh and maybe more effective uh method of addressing the jowls um versus really a lot of the facelift techniques these days, sort of these minimally invasive techniques, uh, tend to sort of avoid addressing the jowls, you know, altogether. So, you know, if you do not address the jowl and you just sort of lift the 
smashed layers. You'll get some improvement of the jawline, no doubt, but tends, what happens, gravity tends to always win in the end, and that jowl tissue tends to drop back down. So this is a way, perhaps, uh, in many cases, to avoid that you know, scenario. And I have seen patients that have had excellent facelifts by other surgeons. You know, the jawline, the skin along the jawline could not be tighter. Excellent work but they still have jowls. And so this is one way, uh, this is really my uh, method of avoiding that scenario. You know, now you do mention, and I know our listeners would love to hear more about just, you know, you mentioned the word SMAS, the SMAS facelift, which obviously is a surgical term for an approach of how you actually do a facelift. Um, um, and I do know that you've also published, you know, results of, of all of this. Um, well, can you explain to our listeners perhaps, you know, what a an actual facelift, what, what it is you're doing and what SMAS means? Sure. So SMAS is really just a, an acronym for a much longer term, um, uh, submuscular aponeurotic tissue. And... That is a layer of tissue that's a, uh, a layer of tissue that's underneath the skin, in front of the ear, and, and sort of the mid to lower face, and extending down into the neck, just below the ear, which is interconnected with, you know, other structures in the face, including musculature, the platysma muscle, uh, down in the neck, and there's some fat in there with that layer, and over, underneath that layer of smass tissue is the parotid uh, salivary gland, an important large salivary gland in the, on the back of the face in front of the ear. So that layer of tissue uh, is used by many surgeons to really create the lifting power and to anchor you know, the lift that uh, happens during facelifts, uh, aging facelift surgery. Um, so Different people do it different ways, but uh, what I uh, perceive to be a good solution is to do sort of a vertical mid-face uh, component and then along the jawline sort of a, an obliquely uh, sort of partly back or posterior and partly up, so kind of halfway in between uh, vector lift uh, in front of the lower part of the ear. And then down on the neck, it's more of a more back and a little bit up. So it's really a multi, what we call vector multi-planar lift. We're lifting the SMAS in different directions to get the most effective smoothing of uh, and rejuvenation in the mid-face, lower face, and then also in the neck. Well, that makes perfect sense because, I mean, you're as well as, you know, lifting upwards, you're also lifting kind of sideways, which I would imagine will give a much more natural look versus, you know, the the tightening from the past where everything just seemed to be pulled back as tight as possible. Um, yeah, yeah, so if you if you if you're if you have some, you know, laxity in the in the mid and lower face and a little bit of a fullness of the smile fold, also known as a nasolabial fold, a little jowling perhaps, um, if you take your fingers and put them on your cheek about uh, an inch in front of the ear, uh, and then just push down and lift up, you can kind of simulate what that vertical component of the mid-face lift will do. And it's, it's, it's quite impressive, and uh, it's, it's an important part of the facelift technique that I employ. Now, do you ever find when you're doing a laser-assisted facelift um, surgery procedure that perhaps um, patients require or request other procedures to go along with, with the laser-assisted um, facelift? 
Yeah, I mean that's a very common uh, scenario. Uh, certainly, if if uh, at one point in life there are enough sort of aging of the tissues has occurred such that there is some skin laxity in the lower face and neck and maybe some jowling. Uh, it's typically the, also the case that there may be some uh, sagging of the brows and some you know heaviness of the eyelids and uh, some wrinkles, etc. Uh, the lip volume. Uh, may have decreased, so you see less of the red part of the lips. So common add-on procedures that we will do include uh, brow lift, upper eyelid lift, lower eyelid lift, uh, sometimes a, a lip advancement procedure for lip enhancement, uh, and also laser skin resurfacing. So not everybody does all of those. Some do, but but uh, it's very common. And now um, in laser skin resurfacing, do you use the same lasers you use for laser lipolysis, or is that a different... That's a different laser. So, um, so for laser skin uh, resurfacing, uh, ablative resurfacing. So that's another distinction. But uh, I tend to use an erbium YAG laser, as well as a fractional CO2 laser. And sometimes I'll use one or the other, and sometimes both, depending on the patient's skin type and the treatment goals, depending on you know the extent of um, uh, wrinkles and etc. Okay. Now, is there um, with, um, you know, there's people of varying skin color and skin pigments, is there any particular laser that, you know, perhaps would work better on a, a Caucasian fair-skinned person than perhaps an African-American person? Yeah, so for very dark skin types, we tend not to do, you know, fully ablative resurfacing. We can sometimes do uh, a fractional erbium YAG resurfacing treatment if there's some perhaps some acne scarring and some, you know, unwanted pigment, some discoloration. Um, for patients with lighter skin types, though, um, we can, you know, do what's called f uh, full field resurfacing where we're treating all of the skin. And for that, I, especially if they have uh, some unwanted pigment that's splotchy pigment around and, and maybe some even possibly some precancers, um, then we use that erbium laser to remove that entire surface layer of the skin. And then typically what I'll do is, you know, turn that laser off and bring in the fractional CO2 laser and do a second pass, but with that different laser, the fractional CO2 laser, to get the maximum skin tightening possible. And now with all of these, you know, with, with a laser-assisted facelift, you know, of course if you have add-on procedures, I would imagine it lengthens the recovery time. But, but all in all, what would you say is the, you know, um, general downtime for a patient undergoing a laser-assisted facelift? Well, I guess that really depends on um, certainly the patient and, and uh, you know, what it is they're hoping to do and, and when. Um, but I would say 10 to 14 days is sort of the initial healing period. By that time, the suture should all be out. Things should be kind of well on their way to be healing. There will still be a little bit of swelling, but nothing that's uh, going to make anyone want to sort of stay hidden away necessarily inside. So most people are out and about, you know, after the first week. Not necessarily, you know, ready for a wedding or, you know, a black tie event, but certainly out and about. Um, and so that brings up, if somebody does have an important event, I get this question, when should they go ahead and have you know, the surgery, can it, can it be within a month? I just say give yourself at least two months and probably three is better if you have a really important life event and you're planning on having some facial surgery. 
just in the unlikely event there's any sort of delay in healing, uh, that way you're not pressed for time. Because these events, generally, you can't generally sort of change them. Uh, they're pretty pre-planned in advance. So uh, give yourself more time if you can. Do you think, um, or do your patients ever tell you that, you know, you know, kind of from four weeks to eight weeks to 12 weeks, that they continuously see improvement in their appearance? Yes. Um, you know, the tissues take some time to adjust after, you know, some of these different procedures. And so uh, there will be some initial swelling that will gradually improve over weeks and sometimes even even months. But in general, we we say that probably 80% of the swelling will be down by a week or two, and that last 5 or 10% can take, you know, another two to four to six weeks. It can take a little while. Um, and the body's healing process involves making new collagen and collagen contraction, which can lead, lead to some additional tightening. Uh, so the healing process does take time. And then who would you say is a good candidate for a laser-assisted facelift? So really anybody who's considering a facelift who also has some fullness along the jawline, some jowling, uh, some fullness under the chin, and perhaps even you know on the sides of the neck who wants to really get uh, excellent contour uh, as well as lifting. And then, and then for those patients, you know, as you mentioned earlier, it, you know, a facelift is a you know procedure that is for a generally more, you know, I wouldn't say advanced aging patient, but an, an aging patient. Um, are there any other um, recommendations that you offer to patients in terms of, you know, when it is the patient select or the health factors, I suppose, you know, heart health, blood pressure, smoking, all that type of thing? Um, what do you recommend to the patient so they can prepare themselves as best as possible to undergo a procedure? Sure. So, you know, Certainly the ideal candidate is somebody who's, you know, quite healthy and not on any medications and a non-smoker. But uh, the reality of life is not everybody's in that category, but a lot of people who are not in that category also want to look as good as they can. So if we have a, sm a patient who's a smoker, we really encourage them to stop smoking for two or even three weeks before surgery and then to not smoke for an additional period of time equal to that after surgery. Uh, and, of course, we, we encourage them that if they're able to do four to six weeks without smoking, maybe they should just not pick it back up. Mm -hmm. Easier said than done, <laughs> we know. But um, uh, And, you know, if there are any other sort of medical issues, such as, a, uh, you know, a, a history of some sort of a heart issue in the past, you know, a year or two, we certainly would prefer to get a clearance from their cardiologist uh, before proceeding. Now, you know, Dr. Holcomb, we have just a couple of minutes left, you know, on our show here. Um, is there anything else that, you know, we haven't covered in terms of laser-assisted facelifting techniques or, or just anything else to do with, you know, a, a cosmetic surgery procedure that you would like to address to the audience? Well, I just think in, in general uh, these are procedures that uh, are quite popular um, I, I encourage patients to, you know, research their uh, intended surgeon, just make sure that they're properly credentialed, that, you know, the facility that they're going to have the procedure done in is also accredited in some way, uh, that, you know, they have uh, qualified anesthesia providers. And, and beyond all of that, 
the recovery period is also so important, and so feeling comfortable with the the practice uh, staff, you know, from the administrative side, uh, who greet you to uh, the nurses who are going to do the the lion's share of the postoperative care. You got to feel comfortable with them and feel like they've got your back, really. So, um, you know, it, it's a good idea to interview the surgeon and the practice and uh, uh, ask lots of questions and uh, get a level of comfort bef- before you proceed. Well, that's really solid and sound advice um, to those, you know, considering taking this journey into um, having a facelift. And for any of our listeners that want to get in contact with you, Dr. Holcomb, what's the best way for them to reach you? Well, certainly you can go through our website, which is uh, com, or just call the office. Um, we have an 800 number, but the local number is 941-365-8679. Well, Dr. Holcomb, thank you so much for being on Aesthetic Insider Radio today. And for those listeners out there, um, there will also be an article with pictures on laser-assisted facelifting techniques with Dr. J. David Holcomb, available at aestheticinsider.com. Dr. Holcomb, thank you so much for being on the show. Thank you for having me. Absolutely. Have a great day. You too. Lucky Land Casino asking people what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? Lucky? In line at the deli, I guess? Aha, in my dentist's office. More than once, actually. Do I have to say? Yes, you do. In the car before my kid's PTA meeting. Really? Yes. Excuse me, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? I never win and tell. Well, there you have it. You can get lucky anywhere, playing at LuckyLandSlots.com. Play for free right now. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Voidware prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details.